The Holy Gospel according to John, the 20th chapter. When it was evening on that day, the first day of the week, and the doors of the house where the disciples had met were locked for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. After this, he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples rejoiced when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, so I send you the Gospel of the Lord. My dear brothers and sisters, I bring you grace and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. St. Philip Deacon um, is rich with many blessings, one of which, without question, is our amazing music program, so I think it's worth thanking our choir and brass and organist for their music. Well, welcome back to what has sometimes been called the real start of the year. <laughs> Uh, I hope you've had a good summer and uh, you're off to a good start this fall, whatever that means for you. Here at St. Philip the Deacon, uh, as we begin our fall together, we're going to take time over three weeks to do a, a short series that we're calling uh, What Do Christians Really Believe or What Do Christians Actually Believe? You can think of it as sort of a primer on our beliefs, but it is not simply in a vacuum. The, the topics that we are choosing to address are topics which, in my mind, are things that the culture that we all live in uh, misunderstands about our Christian faith or has a wrong understanding or maybe certain assumptions about what we Christians believe. And because we are all part of that culture, it's part of the air we breathe, it's part of the sea we swim in, uh, I think it's almost inevitable that we end up sort of picking up some of those assumptions and misunderstandings. And so I want to sort of press against that with this short series and, and sort of do a reset and help us remember what we actually believe. To be absolutely clear, this series is nowhere close to being comprehensive or exhaustive. In some ways, it is somewhat arbitrary, although we are beginning with the resurrection of the body as a nod to the fact that Jesus' resurrection is the heart, the center of our faith. But we could probably do this series for, gosh, a year or two, three years, right? Um, I do, so it's not representative or exhaustive, but I do hope it's, or excuse me, it's not exhaustive or comprehensive, but I do hope the things we address are representative of that tension that we all feel. Now I'll get to our first subject in a minute, but before I do, and I apologize, I know it's just the first sermon of the program year, but I got to bring in C.S. Lewis. Um, because something he says that I think is so relevant, at least in my mind, to what we're doing with this series. Um, Lewis actually did not preach many sermons. He preached a few. One of them is very famous. It's called The Weight of glory. I invite you to check it out. He was talking about something else, but so during this sermon, he's, he's addressing the topic at hand, and then he pauses and he says to his listeners, do you think I am trying to weave a spell on you? He says, perhaps I am, 
but remember your fairy tales and remember that spells are cast both to break enchantments as well as to cast enchantments. Okay, now stay with me here. Why is that related? It's related because here we are in a church, <clears throat> but again, we're part of a larger culture, and that culture that we're part of is, in my estimation, often very cynical, suspicious, jaded about issues of faith. And so even though we sit here this morning, I think it's inevitable being part of that culture that somewhere in the depths of our hearts or the backs of our mind, we think, yeah, I'm here, but the real truth about who I am is out there. Objective reality is out there. The actual facts about life are out there, outside of the church, right, in the world. Lewis's point, and I think this is an interesting sort of thought experiment for all of us, is that maybe we don't come here to have a, a spell cast on us. Maybe the spell that's being cast on us is out there in the world, and maybe we come here to have that spell broken. And we come here to find out who we really are and where we really come from and what our true meaning is and where we are really one day going. And I think we're better able to reflect on that if we more fully understand what we actually believe. Does that make sense? All right. So this series is going to be very simple. Each week, again, we're talking about the resurrection of the body this week. We're going to talk about money next week. Do not let that scare you off. I expect to see you all here next week, too. And then the third week is we're going to talk about what do Christians believe about sharing our faith. Each week, again, very simple idea. We're going to say, here's what the culture says or assumes or misunderstands that we believe, what we believe. Here's what we actually believe. And here's why it matters. Presuming it does, which I think it does. So this week, again, in part because the center of our faith is Jesus' resurrection, we're going to talk about the resurrection of the body. What, do, what, what does the culture say that we believe? Now, again, I, I, I'm, I grant you that I'm you know, using broad brush strokes. Maybe not everyone in the culture thinks this, but I think, broadly speaking, what I'm about to say is pretty true. I would submit the culture looks at Christians and says, oh yeah, Christians, here's what you believe about the resurrection of the body. You believe that when you die, something called the soul or the spirit, which is trapped in your body, leaves the body, the body disintegrates in the ground or is cremated or whatever, and the soul or the spirit leaves the body and goes to spend eternity with God. The corollary to that, of course, is that Again, this is the culture. The body is bad, evil, dirty, soiled, whatever. The soul, the spirit is perfect and pure and beautiful and one day is finally released from that ugly body, okay? That, I'm gonna submit, is what the culture says. Whatever that is, that was not, is not, and never has been what Christianity teaches. In fact, what that view is really is connected to some more ancient um, Greek philosophical schools. So what does Christianity teach? We teach not that we are souls or spirits trapped in a body, but we teach that we are embodied spirits, that our bodies are an integral part of who we are, and therefore 
When we are one day raised to eternity with God, that means that our bodies also are raised, made perfect to be sure, healed, restored, made whole, but that when we are made, brought into the presence of God, that in some mysterious way we remain physical beings. There is nowhere that this is more clearly stated than in the Apostles' Creed. This is listed at the top of your bulletin. It's also printed in your bulletin. But at the end of the Apostles' Creed, we say what? I believe in the resurrection of the body and in life everlasting. At that point in the Creed, it is not talking about Easter. It is not talking about Jesus' resurrection. It's talking about the fact that one day all of us will be raised bodily. I could reinforce that with a number of points. I'll lift, list just two. One is the creation of Adam and Eve, uh, the, the story of the creation of humankind, and of course, what happens? God takes what? Dirt, soil, matter. And yes, God breathes his spirit into it, but you cannot have one without the other. From the beginning, humanity has been embodied. And here in worship, uh, we, we uh, affirm our bodiliness even through our sacraments. At the baptismal font, we do what? We wash symbolically our bodies and we anoint our bodies. And here at the table, we nourish and feed our bodies with, among other things, bread, which we've spent a lot of time talking about this summer, um, and with wine, which we believe is Jesus' own body and blood. So we reinforce that regularly in our uh, worship life together. So that's what we believe. We believe we are embodied spirits and that that's, you can't separate one from the other and that one day we will be returned to God in bodily form made perfect. Why does this matter? The most basic reason I think this matters is that I, re I really do think it's important, vitally important for us as Christians to understand what we do believe rather than what culture tells us we should believe. So the baseline is that. On this particular subject though, and we could probably spin it out into lots of things, I will lift up just two other points. Uh, one is, and this is related to this whole series, I think, I think in our culture, often we have a tendency as Christians to sometimes be embarrassed or defensive about our faith. And one of the ways that shows up is when people will say things like, oh, you Christians, you're so prudish about the body. You're so negative about the body. If you understand the doctrine of the resurrection of the body, it's very easy to say, well, I don't think that's true. In fact, of all people, Christians value the fact that we have bodies. We celebrate it, we honor it, and we respect our bodies, okay? And so it, when we understand what we believe, it becomes easy or less easy for us to be defensive or, or embarrassed by our faith because we can say, I don't think you're right about that. So that's one thing. The other thing, and this, I'm just going to put my sort of foot in the door of this one a little bit because this honestly could be its own series and maybe it should be down the road. But the other thing that the resurrection of the body, which again affirms our createdness, our bodiliness. It affirms the created world. The other thing that that doctrine, I think, reinforces is that the so-called um, conflict between faith and reason, or faith and uh, science, excuse me, doesn't exist. This is a big deal in our culture, and I think it's one of the things that makes us most defensive and most embarrassed as Christians, is that you know people say, well, faith and science are in conflict, they're mutually exclusive. You don't have to believe me about this. 
This happens to be a hobby horse of mine. It's a little one of my soapboxes. But I am telling you here today, there is no conflict between faith and science. Zero. None. Okay? And I would go further and say that the fact that we live in a culture that values the scientific method is not despite the fact that we come from a Christian background, but it is because our Western civilization was founded in Christianity. Uh, natural philosophy was originally studied in um, universities which were founded by Christians. That eventually developed into the scientific method. And again, nothing about the scientific method is in opposition. And again, I think the fact that we uh, ha believe in the resurrection of the body and therefore, and also celebrate the created world, over here is the panels with all of creation, reminds us that we value and honor and celebrate God's good creation. And because it is created, we are free to study it, which is precisely what natural philosophers who became scientists did. Again, that's a big topic. I'm just sticking my little foot in there. And I know some of you are thinking, Tim, I don't think you got the memo. There's a conflict between faith and science. I'm telling you, there isn't. And again, maybe we'll pick it up later another time. All right, that's enough for today. On this topic, next week again, we're going to talk about what do Christians really believe about money. We decided to do this series um, sort of, I don't know, mid-late summer after Linda Armstrong had already decided uh, what some of the music was for our worship services. So next week... I'm going to think this is providential. She had already picked the hymn, I Surrender All. <laughs> I'm not kidding about that. Um, but come back. I think you'll be surprised by some of what we teach about, again, the misunderstandings uh, about what culture says we believe about money, and we'll look forward to that together. In the meantime, will you join me in a word of prayer? Good and gracious God, we thank you today for your blessings. We thank you for the gift of this day and the start of a new program year. And today especially, we give you thanks for these wonderful bodies that you have given us. We pray that you'll help us to enjoy them and celebrate them and honor them in this lifetime. And we look forward to bringing them with us in the next. And all this we pray in the holy name of Jesus. Amen. <laughs>